All right now, you're listening to the Real Texas Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Bronin, just a fed up taxpayer bringing you all of your Texas local and national news. Welcome to the Real Texas Radio Podcast. I am Bronin, your host. Thank you for tuning in to another episode, or if you were just joining the program for the first time, 1,000 welcomes. And I'm going to kick off the show today by stating that we still don't have a property tax cut here in the state of Texas. We still don't have a property tax cut, which is a disgrace. It should have been the first thing that was handled in the legislative session that began back in January of this year. It shouldn't have taken a special session in order to get property tax relief accomplished. And the House and Senate and Governor Abbott and Dan Patrick, they are all duking it out over the best property tax relief plan. And so far, the only fixed dollar amount that I am seeing in either of the plans is the one that's associated with Dan Patrick's plan. Dan Patrick, the lieutenant governor who presides over the Texas Senate. So the Senate plan, which raises the homestead exemption from for, uh, from the current $40,000 per year for Texas homeowners to $100,000 per year for Texas homeowners. I haven't seen those kind of concrete figures in the House and Abbott plan. So therefore, I can't support that plan. I need to see dollar figures, dollar amounts written down. I need to see them established because otherwise I don't have confidence in, I just don't have confidence. I need to see the number written down. So I'm going to move on. I want to talk about a healthcare story. And there is a doctor in Houston, Mary Bowden, Dr. Mary Bowden. She's a medical doctor. And she was very outspoken during the COVID nonsense hoax farce. And she was very critical of the vaccine. And so, therefore, she may as well have just affixed a target to her chest because she was accused of spreading misinformation. So there is a story now. She's got a complaint filed against her. I guess she was already thrown out of the Houston Methodist Hospital because she was spreading misinformation like, oh, I don't know, the vaccine doesn't work because when you get injected with the vaccine and then you get three more of them, you still get infected with the disease, you still spread the disease, and you still test positive, which obviously means absolutely nothing unless you are a devoted member of the Church of Covidology. It means absolutely nothing. So I'll read to you the story, and this is from the HoustonPublicMedia.org. It's being reported largely in the Houston media, the Chronicle. The Texas Medical Board has filed a formal complaint against Dr. Mary Bowden for multiple violations of the Texas Medical Practice Act. Bowden was previously suspended by Houston Methodist Hospital over vaccine misinformation. 
The complaint was filed back in April with the State Office of Administrative Hearings and accuses Bowden, an ear, nose, and throat doctor from River Oaks, of multiple violations. It accuses her of violating the standard of care and acting unprofessionally by prescribing medication to a hospitalized COVID-19 patient in Fort Worth. And I'm going to get into prescriptions in, in another national story in just a moment. The complaints also claim that she had never examined the patient before prescribing them and failed to maintain patient-doctor confidentiality. Confidentiality, by the way, which completely was thrown out the window during the hoax when the vaccine was rolling out and employers, managers, supervisors, bosses, colleagues felt that it was absolutely within their right, that it was absolutely acceptable to ask you about your vaccination status, to ask you about a private medical decision. HIPAA was thrown out the window. And now this woman is being accused of patient-doctor confidentiality breaches, even though the left decided that HIPAA doesn't matter anymore back in 2021. They had no problem asking you all kinds of personal medical questions that were none of their business and, in my opinion, illegal to be asking people. And not to mention a complete breach of social norms. In response to the complaint, Bowden denied all allegations and demanded proof and asserted that the board is asserting aggravating factors improperly and in violation of Texas law and the Texas and U.S. constitutions. Her response document also claims that the board has no evidence of its accusations. The hearing will take place April 29, 2024. Bowden had previously had her privileges taken away from Houston Methodist Hospital when she told patients that she had done research that suggested, quote, the vaccine is not working. Really? Did, did you have to do a whole lot of research to figure out that the vaccine is not working when you had a bunch of cult members running around you at work in your friend circles, acquaintances, family members who were punching people in the face? figuratively speaking, to be among the first to get crapsinated, and then they're still getting the disease. Oh, but then, you know, the talk of the spread, of course. Once all of the Church of Covidology was vaccinated and then repeatedly vaccinated and again and again, then they stopped wanting to discuss that they were getting reinfected and, and they didn't want to talk about the testing anymore because they realized they can't admit it, but I suspect that many of them realized that they were hoaxed, they were fleeced, and that they're a bunch of fools. They got taken. Although I say that understanding that never in the history of the world before had such a misinformation, disinformation campaign been foisted upon the public as was the one that was promoted by the U.S. government, governments throughout the world, the World Health Organization, the CDC, etc., etc., etc. Pardon me if, if I'm sounding like a conspiracy theorist here, but the bottom line is the vaccine didn't do, I'm not going to say the word, didn't, didn't do anything, didn't help anybody. The vaccine was useless. And even though I was questioning it from the start, when it was in development, when I was asking very basic questions 
about, well, aren't vaccines supposed to be in trial for a very long time? And, and isn't a lot of the efficacy around the longevity of the vaccine and or of any medication that requires FDA approval? But no, all scientific standards, they were dispensed with. This thing was rushed out, helped nobody, cost trillions of dollars. And it, it was just a complete waste of time over a cold that didn't harm anybody that wasn't already so severely chronically ill and they knew about it. People have all kinds of chronic illnesses all the time. People get diagnosed with diabetes type 2. They make zero life changes. People get diagnosed with all kinds of serious cardiac illnesses, heart disease, which I believe affects 50% of all women in the country. People, they are at high risk of stroke. They are at high risk of heart attack. We know that most all types of cancers, they are diet, exercise, lifestyle related. It, people get all of these kinds of warnings constantly. They go into the doctor. The doctors, they just stop wasting their time with these conversations because they know that people, they're, they're not going to listen to any of the advice. They just want pills and vaccines and surgeries and procedures. So anybody who may have perished COVID positive, we know that they had grave chronic illnesses and they had decided that they didn't have to do anything about those, but it was just easier to pin it on COVID. It was fashionable to pin it on COVID. It was convenient to pin it on COVID. So anyway, Dr. Mary Bowden, good luck to you at your hearing next year, April 29th, 2024. We will be looking out for you. I'm going to be following that case. But in any case, this is just an example of, of what medicine looks like today. When, when you're applying to medical school now, one of the most important pieces of your application is your diversity statement, your commitment to diversity. And basically affirming as a candidate that you are going to mesh well with the group think and that feelings and social determinants and all of these other factors that don't have to deal with hard science, in large part, that's part of your application to medical school. And then when you get into medical school, that's the kind of training that you're getting. And so if you step out of line and you want to ask questions, and by the way, the word question is synonymous with the word science. When you're in fourth grade in the first science class you ever take, you open up the science textbook and you learn about what a hypothesis is. And a hypothesis is basically a question and you test it. And when you're a real scientist, you're supposed to keep questioning and always questioning. Questioning is encouraged. But all of a sudden with, with COVID-19, sorry, no questions allowed. Put away the pen and paper. Turn your brain off. Shut up and listen to orders. Do what you're told. Obey. Fall in line. Get in the cult. So this is what the good doctors are up to. This is what the doctors that we should trust have been up to. This is coming from the Wall Street Journal. 
Pharmaceutical industry giants completed a deal to pay $19 billion to states that accuse them of fueling the opioid crisis, infusing more money into communities still struggling with how to address the scourge of drug use. Most states agreed to the deal to settle agreements with manufacturers Teva and Allergan, or Allergen, as well as pharmacy chains CVS and Walgreens. CVS now, don't you forget, is the owner now of Aetna, which is one of the largest health insurance providers in the United States. And CVS and Walgreens, they are expanding clinics and, and all of their healthcare offerings throughout the United States because they really care about your health and your health care. Meanwhile, they're pumping you full of opioids. The agreement is in addition to a $26 billion so-called global settlement with drug distributors McKesson, Cardinal Health, and Amerisaurus Bergen, and, and manufacturer Johnson & Johnson. Oh, oh, Johnson & Johnson, there's another company that's so invested in your health and, and your medical treatment. So 26 plus 19, what's that, about uh, 50 billion bucks, basically, less than 50, 45 billion bucks? That should all be going toward developing communities for homeless people who many of them are the are at the real bottom. They're at the real recipient of this opioid crisis that was fueled by the drug companies. Our, our trusted drug manufacturers are blue chip companies. The latest settlements close lawsuits against most of the major players and brings the total income from opioid litigation that states will have to spend to about $50 billion. The legal fight stretches back nearly a decade when more than 3,000 lawsuits from states, Native American tribes, and counties alleged the drug makers, pharmacies, and distributors played down the risk of painkillers and didn't stem their flow. Misuse of prescription painkillers sparked a health crisis that was supercharged as fentanyl infiltrated the illicit drug supply and now claims more than 100,000 lives in the U.S. each year. So these same drug companies like Johnson & Johnson and, and CVS and Walgreens, which were obviously administering many vaccines, so you're supposed to just trust them blindly about the COVID hoax nonsense farce crap scene. And then, just like you were supposed to trust them 20 years ago, when they were pumping out opioids to everybody, every single person who came out of a surgery was getting opioids. You were coming out of a dental procedure, you were getting opioids. And then hundreds of thousands of people completely destroyed their lives, destroyed their families, lost their homes. Look at the homeless population. You see a lot of the homeless people walking around. I see them, anything that looks like a, a little piece of metal, if it's a gum wrapper, they're picking it up, looking at it to see if there's some kind of a trace drug that they can ingest in some form. And these drug companies and these pharmaceutical companies and CVS, which is a health insurance giant and also provides clinical services increasingly throughout the country, I'm not going to read the rest of this, but Walmart is in here too. And, and Walmart is increasingly trying to get into the 
Healthcare Act. They they all are. Every single one of these companies. Amazon is also trying to get into the Healthcare Act because if you look around your city, if you look around the country, for example, whenever I go home to Boston, where I am from, whenever I see a new building going up, wow, it's a it's some kind of a healthcare facility, and you know I always ask myself, you know, for the most advanced civilization ever in the history of the planet, don't you think that we would actually be reducing our need for healthcare products? Be- seeing as we know so much about the human body and we know so much about diseases, including how to create them, and we've already vaccinated against the the worst diseases that have ever hit mankind, including yellow fever, and including measles, right? Measles are responsible for killing the about 100 million people who lived in Central and South America. There was a huge population. And, and measles wiped them all out. And, and that's why so many of us learned in our textbooks that the Native Americans, the Indians, they were just a few bands of savages running around New England and, and maybe elsewhere. But that's because... Most of them were killed by measles, and, and it took a long time to figure that out. But they didn't have the genetic diversity that Europeans and Middle Easterners and Asians had and Africans had. And they also didn't sleep with domestic animals as Europeans had been doing. And there were obviously a lot more domestic animals in Europe until Europeans started moving pigs and horses and and it was the pigs that spread the measles to the Native Americans. All right, I went way off on a tangent there, but these are the these are the good doctors. These these are this is the good medicine. You're supposed to believe everything that CVS and Aetna and Johnson and Johnson and, and all of these wonderful healthcare providers who care so much about our well being. The pill pushers, in other words. You're supposed to believe everything that they say, but then you have a doctor like Mary Bowden, a real medical doctor who raises a, a very logical question about, hmm, doesn't look like the crap scene for COVID is working based on the fact that I know tens of millions of people have gotten it now in the country and tens of millions of people seem to still be getting reinfected and spreading and testing positive and all the crap. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for those of you, if, if I'm preaching to the choir, you're already with me, you know all this, but they want us, and by they, I mean the left, the Democrats, they want us to just forget about the hell, the hell that they put us through for three years. They want us to forget about all that. And this show does serve as a reminder that the the farce happened, the hoax happened, and that our lives were made a living hell. And I don't think they should be able to forget about it that easily or believe, continue to believe that the Church of Covidology was in any way correct. Moving right along, I want to talk about cars. And there is a story that came out in the Wall Street Journal over the weekend pardon me, the Washington Post over the weekend. 17 fatalities, 736 crashes, the shocking toll of Tesla's autopilot. 17 fatalities. 
I'm going to get into the article in just a minute, but that's over a four-year period. Now, we know that in 2022, there were 46,000 vehicular-related homicides just on U.S. highways. That's not even counting surface streets, just on the highways. And we know that the vast majority of those, close to 100% of those, were not autopilot-related. And those 46,000 fatalities were the result of a driver who was supposed to be completely in control of the conventional vehicle. Now, the Washington Post, obviously owned by Jeff Bezos, apparently he's sick of the paper now, too. I think for a while it was a hobby, passion project for him, but it sounds like he's sick of it and, and would like to dump it. But in any case, obviously, Twitter is a huge forum for traditional news organizations to promote their content. And they were so used to for years, for a decade or so, under Dorsey's leadership of being able to publish all of their crap and their reporters could go on and and tweet all of their nonsense. And they didn't have to worry about being fact-checked because they were Democrats and they were in a protected group. But now Twitter under Elon Musk fact checks Democrat organizations. And there is a great feature now on Twitter called Community Notes. And I happen to think that it's written in very neutral language. And I have seen conservative posts also fact check, but I see a lot more Democrat crap fact-checked more than ever before. And it's great. And it has pushed these organizations. Some of them have quit Twitter, apparently NPR, which was labeled as state-run media because it does get a ton of federal and state money. Yes, it gets private dollars too, but it is a news organization that is subsidized by the taxpayers. And so therefore, it is state sponsored media, is it not? So they quit Twitter rather than have to deal with that label. They couldn't handle it. And so the Washington Post, it would make sense, would be going after Elon Musk, obviously the CEO of Tesla. And so this article is about the Tesla autopilot feature. So I'm just going to read to you a little bit from it. San Francisco, the school bus was displaying its stop sign and flashing red warning lights, a police report said, when Tillman Mitchell, 17, stepped off one afternoon in March. He was getting off the bus. Then a Tesla Model Y approached on North Carolina Highway 561. The car, allegedly in autopilot mode, never slowed down. It struck Mitchell at 45 miles per hour. The teenager was thrown onto the windshield, flew into the air, and landed face down in the road, according to his aunt, Dorothy Lynch. Mitchell's father heard the crash and rushed from his porch to find his son lying in the middle of the road. If it had been a smaller child, Lynch said the child would be dead. The crash in North Carolina's Halifax County, where a futuristic technology came barreling down a rural highway, futuristic technology, with devastating consequences, was one of 736 U.S. crashes since 2019 involving Teslas in autopilot mode, far more than previously reported, according to a Washington Post analysis 
of the high of the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration data. 736 crashes involving autopilot. That's over four years versus well over 100,000, possibly close to 150,000 fatalities. That's not crashes. I'm sure it goes into the hundreds of thousands if we're actually factoring in crashes with conventional vehicles operated by a human driver. Driving has never been more dangerous, particularly on U.S. highways. There was a 20% jump approximately, might have been even a little more. Between 2021 and 2022, there was over a 20% jump in fatalities on U.S. highways, vehicular-related deaths, guns, gun homicides, I'm talking about specifically, were less than half of that. Gun homicides were less than half of what U.S. highway vehicular fatalities were in 2022. You would never know that. I refer often to the story in April in South Texas in Brownsville, a man who was not using a Tesla or autopilot was driving a conventional vehicle, plowed into 20 illegal aliens at a bus stop, killed eight people. This was the day after eight people were killed in Allen by a shooter. I think you know which story got all of the press. No, it it wasn't the murderer driving the car that proved to be just as dangerous as an automatic weapon. And in fact, I have a feeling that it was an automatic vehicle. I'll continue reading the article just a little bit more. The number of deaths and serious injuries associated with autopilot has grown significantly, the data shows. Do you have anything to say about just conventional cars and human drivers not using autopilot? Do you have anything to say about that, Washington Post, when you know that that is a much worse problem? When authorities first released a partial accounting of accidents involving autopilot in June 2022, they counted only three deaths Definitely linked to the technology. The most recent data includes at least 17 fatal incidents, 11 of them since last May, and five serious injuries. You know what? I'm going to tell you something. I've mentioned before how I walk to the gym. It's close to my house. And sometimes I will, if traffic is just so bad, I will go to the, I will go to the crosswalk where there is a traffic light. But the most convenient crosswalk, and it is a legitimate crosswalk, there's actually two of them, and it, but it is a big intersection, does not have a light. And it is so rare for a car to stop. And again, the vast majority of the cars that pass me, they are in complete control by a human. And you know what I wonder? I bet if... All of those cars had autopilot, and they these cars were able to see that I was there with the radar technology, with the sensors. Do you think that the autopilot car, do you think at least some of the time, if not most of the time, that those cars would stop? I still wouldn't take the chance. If I see a moving vehicle, I'm not going to jump in front of it, period. I don't care what is driving it or not. But do you think that the autopilot technology, if it registered a human being in the median in a crosswalk, that it would stop? Because we know now that 
90% of the time, I, I would say more than that, closer to 100% of the time, at least here in the Dallas area, people do not stop for the pedestrians when they are behind the wheel. So I'm thinking that the autopilot technology, once perfected, is going to do that. Look, you might hate Tesla and EVs and charging stations and all of that, but as far as I can tell, they are going to be the future. Despite the devastating environmental harm that it causes to be able to produce one of these vehicles. Like for example, right now, most of these cars, they need nickel. They used to rely more heavily on cobalt, but that involved a lot of child labor in Central Africa in order to mine the cobalt. So then the EV makers, they shifted to nickel, which is in the forest floors in Indonesia, the vast majority of it. And so now, in order to get the nickel, we have to rip up all of these trees. I'm sure many of them are ancient that are home to endangered species and rare species that depend on the nickel rich soil. But instead, we, we still rip the trees up and then it's very easy to get at the nickel. And then in, in order to refine the nickel, it's such a dirty, disgusting, environmentally toxic process. And then we dump all that waste in the ocean off the coast of Indonesia. And, and obviously, Americans and Chinese companies, they, they've all moved into Indonesia to be able to capitalize on the nickel production there. And oh, oh, you didn't know that that was happening? You didn't know that to produce an EV, it's actually a lot dirtier and more environmentally toxic than it is to produce a conventional gas-powered vehicle? Well, let me assuage you and your concerns by saying that, oh, well, we're replanting. After we pull up all of the nickel from the soil, well, we're replanting trees. Well, you know what? Again, that nickel is a really essential element there that is really specific to the trees that grow there and the animals that live there. They, they need that. So it's not going to be the same kind of environment, even if you do replant trees, is it? All right. I've ranted at you enough for about half an hour. I am Bronin. Thank you for tuning into the Real Texas Radio podcast. Please like, subscribe, follow. You can catch me on Twitter, RTR underscore Bronin, or the Real Texas Radio podcast on Instagram. And I will catch you on the next episode. <laughs>